Asia is a mess. The Supreme Court botches it. Trump tries to fix the cops. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back. Okay, so we're going to do things a little different today. First things first, um, I'm actually with Josie, so I'm going to try and keep my voice down a little bit so she doesn't have to be bothered with me. Uh, the second thing is, if you heard my haiku, you're probably wondering, okay, where did the Korea thing go again? We are in such a busy news cycle that I can't keep up with the breaking news. And I think we need to talk about the poli- the possible political sacrifice that's happening over in Atlanta today. This is just in on Wednesday. Uh, Garrett Rolfe, the Atlanta police officer who fired after uh, fired shots killing Rashard Brooks last week, now faces felony charges including felony murder and aggravated assault. This could eventually lead to the death penalty. The uh, Georgia District Attorney Paul Howard Jr. announced today. Also, his partner at the time on the scene was Devin Brosnan. Uh, he was given three charges, including aggravated assault, though not really sure where that came from. Uh, he has agreed, uh, the Devin Brosnan has agreed to testify for the pr- prosecution against Rolf. Included in the charges was an account of aggravated assault because one of the bullets from Rolf's gun hit an occupied car in the parking lot of the Wendy's restaurant where, um, Richard Brooks was actually shot. Fulton County District Attorney Paul Howard Jr. said at a news conference Wednesday, quote, we've concluded at the time Mr. Brooks was shot that he did not pose an immediate threat of death or serious physical injury to the officer or officers. Howard said, uh, Howard said Brooks did not receive medical attention for more than two minutes in his press conference today, on Wednesday. Quote, Officer Rolf actually kicked Mr. Brooks while he laid on the ground. The, uh, the officers who allegedly stood on his shoulder as he bled to death on the ground. Now, that's all kind of interesting. Uh, I think this is going to be kind of a weird thing. I think it's kind of a stretch. But Rolf's attorney had no problem actually coming to the defense of his client. Quote, Officer Rolf heard a sound like a gunshot. He saw a flash in front of him, fearing for his safety and the safety of civilians around him. Officer Rolf dropped the taser and fired the service weapons. He fired his service weapon, end quote. He also made sure to point out that Rolf called an ambulance and was performing CPR on Brooks when the ambulance actually took place. So let's take a look at this thing. Now, again, I've seen the videos. I've seen even my girlfriend who's sitting here and won't say anything has seen the video. There was nothing really extreme. Everything that the attorney here is saying, uh, a Rolf's attorney is saying is true. It was all on the video. There was a shot that came out of the taser, and apparently the taser did discharge. The taser did shoot above Rolf's head. Rolf was trying to use his taser, which was ineffective, 
and didn't drop the taser and start firing until after uh, Brooks fired his weapon. Um, two minutes, that is not a long time after you've just shot a suspect to do something about it. And police are actually taught to subdue the suspect, make sure the suspect is not armed, the suspect is down, and make sure the suspect is not going to attack again before they do anything else. So two minutes, I think with the shock that the police officers went through and everything else that was happening at the time, I don't think that is unreasonable. And by the way, here's something wild and crazy. What about the 45 minutes before they actually tried to arrest Brooks? They were talking to Brooks. If they wanted to shoot another black man, why didn't they just shoot him right off the bat? And why would they shoot somebody when all this mess is happening in the country and knowing that the police are not getting any backing, which is exactly what's happening here? This is a travesty and looks nothing more like a political charge, political overreach. There is no way he's going to get a murder charge especially when Rolf's attorney gets a hold of the jury. A felony murder, a death penalty case, is first-degree murder. And basically what the attorney is going to have to do is prove that Rolf actually got out of his car and said, I'm going to kill a black person today. And that's just not going to happen, especially with the 45 minutes of video that happened before this whole incident. And I find it amazing that uh, uh, the attorneys for Brooks' family and the district attorney did not even mention the assault that took place when Brooks was beating the garbage out of one of the police officers. Let's not forget, one of the police officers actually did go to the hospital because he was injured. I think it's going to be a real tough case to actually prove. Also, remember... The body cam footage was released before this whole thing. Everyone has seen it. Everyone has seen the security camera from the Wendy's restaurant. Everyone has seen the video by the bystander that was taken off his cell phone. Everyone saw it to the point that 52 cops in the police department in Atlanta resigned their positions and moved on to other positions. And... The police chief, who never really said why she resigned, still resigned. You've got to really wonder what's going on here. And I think uh, Howard knew it. I think uh, the district attorney, Howard, looked nervous and kind of unsure of himself. And if you looked around the room, 13 of the 16 people that were surrounding him by the microphone were black. And we're not really sure who those people were. The reaction of the news media, they all let out a kind of an ooh during the press conference. They were really in surprised. Um, so this may not have been a good decision for anyone who knows the law. But Howard looked like he really had no choice. He is up for re-election, and his re-election is not assured. Not to mention, Howard is replacing, is actually facing corruption charges. So that's not making him his reelection uh, chances look good. This kind of looks like it might be a diversion. If you put, if you combine that with the fact that Mayor Bottoms 
was uh, Atlanta Mayor Bottoms was threatened with losing the next election if the, if she did not prosecute by today. You gotta wonder what this was. This is not justice. This is completely unjust. If the police wanted to charge this guy with manslaughter, unintentional manslaughter, there would have possibly been a chance of that. But aggravated assault, which means he was going out to assault another person, and first-degree murder, which means he thought he was going to go out there and he was going to kill someone? No, that's a, a serious overreach. Here's the problem with this whole thing. When the justice system starts using the courts to virtue signal, which is what this is, to appease the Black Lives Matter group and the protesters, this is not a good thing for justice. This is a very bad thing for justice. Now, mind you, this happened about two hours ago, so there's not a lot of information on it. There could be, there could be evidence that we're not seeing. We don't know yet. But right now, this looks like with the release of the body cam footage and all of the other footage, literally two hours of footage was released. This looks like an open and shut case. And I don't know what's going to happen to this to this city if they find this guy not guilty of those highly exaggerated charges. So I was going to talk about North Korea today and their malfeasance because apparently North Korea is going broke again. So they've decided that they want to, I don't know, start a war. But uh, when this whole thing with uh, Richard Brooks happened, I decided, OK, skip it. Let's talk about other news. Um, and this other news was pretty big yesterday, and what it involved in a 6-3 vote, the Supreme Court ruled Monday that the Civil Rights Act of 1964 includes the unimagined employment protections on the basis of sexual preference and sexual identity. Neil Gorsuch, who was appointed by Trump last year, appointed to replace the originalist Anton Scalia, wrote the majority opinion, joined by Squish John Roberts. And what Squish means is he's a Republican, he's a conservative until he gets all stressed out and then he squishes out this crap. And the rest of the court's liberals, which is an, a sign. Conservative justices Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, and I won't call Brett Kavanaugh a, a, a conservative because I don't think he is, they all dissented. This is, without a doubt, one of the worst rulings of the new, quote, conservative, end quote, Supreme Courts to date. And it's bad because it's just simply wrong. But this ruling has some major issues. The first one is that homosexual and trans rights under the Civil Rights Act did not apply. In fact, it was discussed back in 1964, not with trans people, but with homosexuality and it was left out of the law. And there are a couple, couple of reasons why it was left out of the law. The first reason was that homosexuality and transsexuality are not seen as sex or gender, but as a behavior. The behavior was, no, was not known unless the individual made it public. In other words, a man was always going to be a man no matter what sex he was actually attracted to. 
So if I walk into a place of employment and I don't sit there and say that I'm attracted to other men, it didn't apply to me. It, because it's just my behavior and it was really none of anybody's business what my behavior was. Now, if I walked into a place that was against homosexuality and I said I'm gay and I started spreading it around, that would be another story. I could be fired in that case and actually sue. So that's kind of a, a that's kind of a it makes sense why they voted this way, but the reality is the contextual the textual basis of the law said homosexuality homosexuality and transvestitism did not apply to the Civil Rights Act. It only applied to sex, which was considered at that time man and woman, race, which we all know what that is, religion and belief system. That's all it applied to. And if you are not sure, all you had to do was read the discussions which the, these people had during the time of the Civil Rights Act to find that out because that stuff is available. The second reason is that some institutions, and this is one of the reasons why they didn't include gender or sexual practices, is that some institutions see the behavior as abhorrent and against their moral compasses. An example of this would be religious institutions like churches, temples, and mosques. And these are the same groups that today have ruled against the Supreme Court ruling to, uh, yesterday, on Tuesday, but there or Monday, excuse me. But there are other organizations that may have moral issues against something like that, and that includes things like abortion. Mm -hmm. That includes companies like Hobby Lobby, and to a smaller, very smaller extent, um, uh, Chick-fil-A. These companies, for example, Hobby Lobby had to actually sue the Obama administration to avoid uh, being able to pay for abortion. Hobby Lobby did not want to have anything to do with abortions, and they actually won that lawsuit. Uh, to a smaller extent, Chick-fil-A, the owner simply said that he was against gay marriage. He never actually stopped people from working at Chick-fil-A who were gay or were married to another gay man or a gay woman. And he never actually prevented people from coming to Chick-fil-A if they wanted to order a chicken sandwich and they were actually gay. But lawsuit after lawsuit has been filed against these companies because they simply made a comment. Now, here would be an example. If I'm at work and I simply say, I believe a man is a man, even if he tries to, even though he defines himself as a woman, does that mean there is sexual harassment in that whole thing under title, under the Civil Rights Code of 1964? This ruling says yes, and that's a bad ruling. That says, basically, I can't even say my opinion anymore without being accused. What's really disturbing about this ruling is that it's making a law that wasn't there before. The, the civil right, 1964 Civil Rights Bill had nothing to do with this. And the 1964 Civil Rights Act was actually a good act back then because all men are created equal as part of the Constitution, and you sit back and say, well, black men were not treated equally, and women were not treated equally, 
and by the way, all men are created equal is all human beings are created equal. That made sense in the civil rights. But in this case, a gay man does not apply here. Again, because it's a behavior. He's still a man, and he still has the same rights. And by the way, it's still illegal to fire someone because they're gay. It's still illegal. You will lose a civil court case. The Supreme Court basically came out of this with out of the, it came up with this out of thin air, especially Gorsuch and Roberts. They should know better. We have Congress to determine bills, rights, laws. The Supreme Court's job is to rule on the constitutionality of a law. There is nothing in the Constitution that says anything about gay people or transgender people. There, there isn't. They're not there to make the law. And then no one has a right to overrule that law. The reality is the House of Representatives can make a law and the Senate can overrule. The House and the Senate can make a law and the President can overrule. The President, the Senate, and the House can all make a law or the president can make a law through executive order, and the Supreme Court can overrule. But the Supreme Court's job is not to overrule, because you know something? That's the problem with the checks and balances. Nobody is checking or balancing the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court makes a decision like this, and there's no one there. But here's the other thing that's wrong with this law, is what it doesn't do. And I'm going to say it's a law. It's not just a Supreme Court ruling. It's an actual law right now. It does not explain what will happen when a gay man or a gay woman or a transsexual goes to a church, a mosque, or a temple and tries to push his or her lifestyle as something that needs to be treated equally with the rest of the believers of that faith. We already know that the LGBT has attacked bakeries and other places that have held a more conservative view of sexuality. But now this ruling makes it that, well, we don't know what's going to happen. Does that mean that a, a transsexual man can go in a church and sit back and say, now the, now the Bible, 2,000 years old, has to say that he is actually a woman when he's not? This law doesn't say so. doesn't say anything. See, what this law does is describe a gay man as a separate sex or a gender instead of a behavior or lifestyle. So now we don't have man and woman. We have man, woman, gay man, gay woman, transsexual man, transsexual woman. We've actually, the courts have actually supported the fact that there are multiple genders. This isn't a good thing. That gay man cannot control his gayness any more than that black man can control the amount of melanin in his skin. That's what they're actually saying. And that's fine. He wants to be gay. That's no problem. The Catholic Church is not going to prevent a gay man from walking into a church. They're going to do the same thing that Judaism does. Well, in Islam, they kill you for it. But in, in Judaism, they're just going to say, okay, you're gay, but it's a sin. Now, what the LGBT is going to be doing... The next step is they're going to be screaming that they are a victim group based off what the Supreme Court ruled on Monday and that they have a right to sue church to, churches to force them to believe that the LGBT is a, an accepted lifestyle. It's not a sin. This is a very dangerous ruling. It leaves out more. It leaves more questions than answers. 
It also takes the creation of law away from Congress and makes it the function of the Supreme Court. Suddenly, the Supreme Court has become the all-ruling, all-powerful branch of government that cannot have any that is immune to any checks and balances that were in the Constitution. No one is talking about this. Everyone is ignoring it. One other thing that this actually shows in kind of in a lesser importance is how lousy the Republicans are at choosing justices. Chief Justice Roberts hasn't made a conservative ruling yet that I've seen. Justice Gorsuch went completely against the textualist view and voted with his, quote, heart, end quote. Even Justice Kavanaugh, you can never figure out what he's going to say. If Trump wins in November, he's going to get at least two more Supreme Court nominations, probably three. Breyer is going to retire no matter what. He said he was going to retire. And Thomas said he's probably going to retire. These guys are approaching, well, I mean, I think Breyer is actually over 80, but uh, uh, Clarence Thomas is already over 80. Ginsburg is either going to retire or she's going to die. We, she is, you know, 300 years old if she's a day. This gal has no business being on the Supreme Court anymore. So she's going to be done. i got to be honest with you. I don't even know what's keeping this gal alive. I mean, she's been in the hospital more times than my entire family has been in their entire lives. And that includes the dead ones. So it's, it's insane to believe. Trump needs... If he becomes president and he gets the opportunity to get conservatives into the Supreme Court, he needs to get three constitutional conservative judges, real ones like Amy Comey Barrett, and stop trying to get these moderates in. And I understand why he's working with the moderates, because the moderates are easier to get through. But besides Gorsuch, look at what they did to Kavanaugh. Hey, you pick Amy Comey Barrett. Yeah, I'd like to say that Amy. I'd like to see them say that Amy Comey Barrett was supporting game, gang rape rings in order to prevent her from becoming a judge. That's what the left does. Hey, Ginsburg is a complete lefty. Sotomayor and Kagan are complete lefties. There is no reason why the Trump can't sit there and say, "Okay, here's a conservative. Go at her." Yes, she may have said abortion is bad one day, but you've got Ginsburg that said all of this, so it's not that bad. I think they just need, Republicans need to actually basically win the Senate next term so that they can get these people in. On Tuesday, in other news, big news, on Tuesday, President Trump signed an executive order on police reform. Listen. And thank you all for being here as we take historic action to deliver a future of safety and security for Americans of every race, religion, color, and creed. We're joined today by law enforcement professionals and community leaders. Though we may all come from different places and different backgrounds, we're united by our desire to ensure peace and dignity and equality for all Americans. I've just concluded a meeting with Incredible families, just incredible families that have been through so much. The families of Ahmad Arbery, Botham Jean, Antoine Rose, Jamel Roberson, Adiana Jefferson, 
Michael Dean, Darius Tarver, Cameron Lamb, and Everett Palmer. These are incredible people, incredible people. And it's so sad. Many of these families lost their loved ones in deadly interactions with police. To all of the hurting families, I want you to know that all Americans mourn by your side. Your loved ones will not have died in vain. We are one nation. We grieve together and we heal together. I can never imagine your pain or the depth of your anguish, but I can promise to fight for justice for all of our people. And I gave a commitment to all of those families today with Senator Tim Scott and Attorney General Bill Barr. We are going to pursue what we said. We will be pursuing it and we will be pursuing it strongly, Tim. Right? Before he signed the order, uh, Trump invited many of the family members who were affected by police violence. And he actually listed those in the little clip you had heard. Uh, this was a closed door session with the family members. There was no photo op, just a discussion and a way for the people to vent to the most powerful man in the country. And any ideas that they had, he could take in. This was a really good thing. And it makes President Trump look like a human being. Uh, I think this would not have had the same effect if he had actually uh, used this as a photo shoot, which he typically does when he meets with people. So let's take a look at the executive order. Uh, this is I'm actually going to be reading pretty much right out of the executive order. If you go to dumbassestalkingpolitics.com, I actually do have the link from CNN, or you can go directly to CNN. They actually do have the entire order, and it's not very long. But I'm going to hit on certain I'm going to hit on certain sections. So section two certification and credentialing state and local law enforcement agencies have constantly assess and improve their practices and policies to ensure transparent, safe and accountable delivery of law enforcement services to their community communities. Independent credentialing bodies can accelerate these assessments enhance citizen confidence in law enforcement practices and allow for identification and correction of internal deficiencies before these deficiencies result in injury to public or law enforcement officers. I think this is a good idea. And one of the things I would use as independent is military. I think one of these, these folks actually need more military training. And that doesn't mean go out and shoot people. A lot of people think the military, that's all they're there for is to shoot people. That's not what they do. They're actually trained to be calm. They're trained not to overreact. And that's what our law enforcement needs. Okay, so um, part B of section two, the attorney general shall, as appropriate and consistent with applicable law, allocate Department of Justice discretionary grant funding only to those state and local law enforcement agencies that have sought and are pro in the process of seeking appropriate credentials from a reputable independent credentialing body certified by the attorney general. I love this because essentially what the government, federal government is saying is that if you guys follow our plans, follow our rules, and you hire the people that we think are going to do the right thing, 
we will allocate funds to that body. This is great. This is a way of the government having a say in how police enforcement is actually used without actually putting a strong arm onto the community, the city, or the state. I think this is very good. So if the state follows the guidelines by the government, they get extra money. If they don't, they don't. That's up to them. Part C. The Attorney General shall certify independent credentialing bodies that meet the standards to be set by the Attorney General. Reputable independent credentialing bodies eligible for certification by the Attorney General should address certain topics in their views, such as policies and training regarding use of force and de-escalation techniques. Performance management tools, such as warning systems that help identify officers who may require intervention, and best practices regarding community engagement. So what does this mean? This means that they are, the government is actually going to take, is going to give the opportunity to actually take a look at what law enforcement is doing. So sec, or article three for that section two, article B, the state and local law enforcement agencies use the force policies prohibit the use of chokeholds, a physical maneuver that restricts an individual's ability to breathe for the purpose of incapacitation, except for those situations where the use of deadly force is allowed by law. Do you know where this could have worked? This could have worked during the Richard, um, the Richard, uh, I can't remember his name, last name, uh, Brooks case. Because if the police, and you could see in the wrestling between the police officer and Richard Brooks, if Richard Brooks was put in a chokehold or at least had an officer grabbing him around the neck and pulling him back, this whole thing could have ended a lot quicker. But the police officers, and you can see one police officer in the video actually was reaching around and he pulled back. He's not allowed to use chokeholds. The reality is at this point, you're struck, two police officers are struggling with a guy who's obviously outmatching him. So it would have been a lot better if he had been allowed to use some of that. Section three, information sharing. The attorney general shall create a database to coordinate the sharing of information between and among federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial law enforcement agencies concerning incidences of excessive use of force related to law enforcement matters, accounting for applicable privacy and due rights. I love this. This should have been done 50 years ago. Essentially, what's been happening with law enforcement, if a police officer got accused of using excessive force, that police officer would go to another city, another state, or another district, and he would have applied to be a police officer. That city, state, or district would never know that he actually got fired for excessive rights, excessive um, force. It would have, uh, for excessive force. I'm sorry, I had to tell my girlfriend to stop talking. Um, the This is great because there have been plenty of police officers who have gone from one district to the other, one precinct to another, and nobody knew that this guy had been actually fired before. And this is something that anyone could have done. No one did it. Section four, mental health, homelessness, and addiction. Okay, this one I'm just going to, because it's kind of long. 
this is basically saying that when we're dealing with mental illness, homelessness, and drug addicted, you have either a social services network or a special police force that is specifically trained to handle that. And the reality is police are not trained to de-escalate when it comes to drug addicts. So a drug addict comes out there or a mentally ill person starts waving a knife around, it may be difficult to actually tone down or de-escalate the situation for a cop who has been taught to use deadly force to protect his life or protect the life of others or protect the life of his partner. I think this is a great thing. And I think this is maybe you create a different police force in this case that deals only with homelessness, only with drug addiction, and only with the mentally ill. I think that is excellent. Section 5, legislation and grant programs. This is also great. The Attorney General, in consultation with the Assistant to the President for Domestic Policy and Director of the Office Management and Budget, shall develop and propose new legislation to Congress that could be enacted to enhance the tools and resources available to improve law enforcement practices and build community engagement. In other words, take money, improve the police force. And if cities, states, tribal areas cannot afford it, give them the money they need to actually improve. And I think that is a great idea. And that includes finding weapons that are non-lethal, I think this is also very good. Now, granted, this is kind of broad, a broad statement. It doesn't really say how. This is something that um, is still yet to come. So I'd like to see a little bit more here. And this is one of the areas where Democrats are bitching and moaning because we really don't. This is way too broad. Well, it is broad, but we just don't know what we don't know yet. And that's for the attorney general to figure out. Section 6, General Provisions. Nothing in this order shall be construed to impair or otherwise affect. That's kind of important because this has been made into something important. Section 1 or Article 1, the authority granted by law to an executive department or agency or the head thereof. The functions of the Director of Office Management and Budget relating to budgetary, administrative, or legislative proposals. In other words, what Congress comes up with will be used. That's it. If the Congress puts in $100 million something, nothing will block them. If the CBO comes up with something and it's been voted through, nothing will stop it. That's good. Article B, this order shall be implemented consistent with applicable law and subject to availability of appropriations. What that basically means is, excuse me, hiccups, we have the money for it, and if we can appropriate that money, we will. Article C, or yeah, Article C, this order is not intended to and does not create any right or benefit, substantive or procedural, enforceable by law or in equity by any party against the United States, its departments, agencies, or entities, its officers, employees, or agents, or any other person. So basically what this does is it's basically saying that when we train an officer and that officer shoots somebody, 
and he's had that training, he can't sit back and say that training created him to shoot that person. So basically, it's not stopping someone from creating new laws. For, hey, you beat someone, you beat someone. Uh, again, you can read the entire executive order on the CNN link at dumbasstalkingpolitics.com or go to CNN and search for it. It's a good order, and it should satisfy everyone. The big thing is about this database that will keep track of the instances of police abuse and who's committing them. That And again, I love that. It should have been done ages ago, and it wasn't. Um, this is something that everyone talked about and no one's actually done anything about. This order also does not overstep the president's bounds in reaching into state, cities, and communities. The president wants to encourage these smaller governments through grants or, or through grants and resources. So he's basically encouraging these people to follow these rules. And if they do, they get money for their police department. If they don't, they don't. That's it. It's up to them. So Seattle, who seems to be fighting President Trump, you know, tooth and nail, they don't want to follow these rules. Don't follow those rules. No problem. You will not get any type, you will not get any grants or money, and you can run your city the way you want, which is basically what's happening now. I also like what he wants to do with mental illness and drug addiction and the homeless. I believe the plea should be backup for mental health professionals, homeless professionals, and addiction professionals. They shouldn't be first responders. Maybe even create a separate police force specifically trained to deal with that. There are some things missing in this whole thing, and I know that the Democrats have pointed that out, but I'm going to point out a couple of things, too. Um, one, the police unions have been a disaster with trying to fire people who have violated police abuse allegations. I think they need to be reformed. The police union should not have such a say because all they're doing is protecting their income. And I think that needs to be pointed out. Now, Minneapolis has already done this. They've sat there and said, we're not negotiating with the unions anymore until we figure out what's going on. I think that's a good thing. And I think that should happen. And I think that should have been brought up too. Uh, next, a more regimented training system should have been pushed. I think our police are terribly undertrained. I am not confident in the police officer that joined the um, uh, training academy at 18, and at 18 and a half, that guy is now a police officer. And I don't care that he spends six months in a jail and then suddenly he's given a gun. We need far better training. Now, the good thing that this article does talk about is that, or this executive order does talk about, is mental health of the police officer. I think actually evaluating mental health of the police officer in a consistent method, maybe once every month or so, is important. The Navy SEALs does this. So a Navy SEAL who's going in and killing 50 people, they actually evaluate to make sure that this guy has his head together. I think police are the same thing. And I think police, compared to the military, are actually thrown more into the fire than even the military. The review process for determining police abuse, or not police abuse, is not really addressed here. A lot of the local review panels are political in nature, 
and they would rather just say this cop abused. And if you don't believe that, let's look at the Richard Brooks situation and see whether that the charges that were thrown on Officer Rolf and the other officer were extreme. I think they were. And I think one of the things that Rolf and the other police officer are going to do is they're going to call in a bunch of police officers and say, yeah, that's what they were supposed to do. So I, I, I think that lack of training and bad judgments by review boards are something that really should be looked at by uh, specific cities and states. And I really wish that the executive order would have actually mentioned that, that there was some sort of um, some sort of standard as to how particular cases are reviewed. But the, all in all, it's a good start. And it was it is attempted. It is an attempt by Trump that has been asked for, but never addressed before for decades. So I think it's a good thing. And do you know who agreed with Trump? Van Jones, the left-wing commentator for CNN. Listen. Look, I, th I think it's, it's pushing in the right direction. The, the main action is going to be in Congress. Uh, this, the bill uh, that the House passes hopefully next week, we'll see what the Senate does with it. That's the main action. All the good stuff is there. The danger was that you would have the president either do nothing or do something small and then you know say we can't have more legislation. What you got today is, I think, sign that we are winning. Uh, Donald Trump has uh, put himself on record saying that we need to reform the, the police department. And the two things I'm excited about, uh, 20 years now we've been asking for a registry of bad cops. Uh, the federal government tracks everything on earth except bad cops. We're now moving in that direction. We've also been asking for, can you please send people who can talk people down and not shoot people down when they're in mental health crisis? Th those two things are now much more likely to happen than they were before. Nobody's going to be satisfied, even if we pass the big bill we're going to pass in, in, the, uh, in the House, I hope. But what I will say is this. We are winning. Uh, Donald Trump had no plan uh, a month ago to work on this issue at all. Uh, the fact that we are now in the direction of moving forward, I think it's good. And the fact that law enforcement is with him. I'll, I'll give it over to Bakari. I know you see, you see the differently, but I want to say one thing. As hard as we worked during the Obama years, we never got law enforcement to come to the, to the table and stay there. The idea that law enforcement is standing behind Trump on stuff that we've been asking for for decades, I think is progress. It's the caboose. It's not the engine, but it's on the right track. Van Jones is right. I don't like the we are winning thing because this is about all of us, not just blacks. I do not see blacks as African-American. Um, I see them as American. That's okay. I don't see myself as a man, white, Irish, or cisgender. I see myself as an American, period. So I think when success happens or when good things are happening, I think that's kind of important to point out. Not that one group is winning and the other group is losing. I could care less about that. Of course, the Democrats hate it. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Joe Biden, and Jim, uh, Jim Claiborne. Uh, the House Majority Whip and part of the Congressional Black Caucus hated it, but I'm not going to waste my time on any of them. Um, it, I don't care what they said. I know what they're going to say. It, it, what do you expect from a pig but a grunt? 
So, but let me list the reasons why I don't care because I should actually I should actually say that Jim Clyburn he's been in the House of Representatives for 27 years he bitches a lot he's done nothing in his 27 years about police reform Nancy Pelosi she's been in the House of Representatives for 30 years was speaker twice she bitched a lot about police reform. She did nothing about it. Chuck Schumer has been in the House of Representatives and the Senate for 39 years. She, he bitched a lot about it, but he did nothing about it in his entire time. Joe Biden served as a senator for 36 years and vice president for eight years. That's a total of 44 years in, poli in politics. He co-wrote and sponsored the crime bill. That is that he now denies ever doing because it's considered racist now, even though it did lower crime. He served as vice president to the first black president. He bitched a lot about race, racism. He bitched a lot about police reform. And as vice president, he did absolutely nothing about it. I really don't give a damn what any of these people think. It's a good executive order. We should be happy with it. It's at least a start. So you can follow me on Twitter at RunninFool, R-U-N-N-I-N-F-E-W-L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, and YouTube if they decide to publish me. We're going to talk about that tomorrow. And you can visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics where I have all of the links that I researched from, uh, all of the full videos, the audios, and any type of... Um, any type of uh, clip or picture that I might have. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbass Talking Politics.